Hello, and welcome to episode 65 of Role Play Grow, the podcast for tabletop entrepreneurs, creators, and fans. I am Courtney Stover of Lighthearted Adventures, and in this podcast, we talk to the creators behind the brands and the tabletop role play gaming space about who they are and how they are turning their passion for gaming into a career. Today's episode is the second in our short series of interviews with my project team members. If you don't know what that means, I am the project manager for a new indie TTRPG called Burnaway. The game is launching super soon on Kickstarter on February 7th, and I wanted to introduce you all to some of the awesome people behind the scenes. Be sure to check out the show notes for a link to the pre-launch page on Kickstarter and the Arnamantle website where you can grab an interactive story primer to get an idea of the game's setting. I will give you a bit of a preview in spoilers right now, and basically we are talking like Ghostbusters meets Firefighters with a brand new mechanic that is very unique and unlike any of the other games that I've played before. Like, sure, maybe I'm biased, but honestly, you guys, I really, really enjoy this game, and I think it's just really cool and really different, and you should check it out. Today, we are chatting with Morgan, aka Soul, about social media management. Sol is the social media manager for Burnaway, so we definitely do talk about the game and the art a bit, but we also chat about their journey diving into the world of TTRPG socials as a freelancer over the past two and a half years. Sol tweets an average of a thousand tweets a week across all his clients, and seriously, if you are struggling with your posts, grab a notebook. Especially when he says listening is bat thieves, I literally want to print out that list and frame it. Sol is awesome to work with and has so much wonderful advice for you. We talk about a lot of their projects too, and it's just a really interesting conversation. If this is your first time tuning in to Role Play Grow, welcome. This podcast is a part of Lightheart Adventures, which is a small company I co-founded with my husband. We also do blogs, one-shots, and maps that you'll find over on our website, lightheartadventures.com. The show allows me to chat with so many amazing folks across a wide spectrum of industries within the TTRPG scene. So be sure to subscribe to Roleplay Grow on your favorite podcast player. I would be remiss if I did not do a shout out for my favorite tea business, Friday Afternoon Tea. The shop is owned by a wonderful human that I interviewed in one of my earliest episodes. And to be honest, they're going through a bit of a hard time right now with their business. They could really use your orders for tea, gift cards, their monthly book club that has tea pairings, or if you are in the Seattle area, they also offer custom blending sessions. We are affiliates with them because, frankly, my pantry has uh, like 40 to 50 other teas. <laughs> so if you go to FridayTea.com and use the code LIGHTHEARTADV, you'll get 10% off your order, help a wonderful business, and enjoy some delicious nerdy tea. Honestly, if you want recommendations, reach out, comment, hit me up on Twitter, wherever. I will give you recommendations. I have a lot that I love. Please go and support Friday at FridayTea.com and use code LIGHTHEARTADV. That is all for now. So let's go chat with Soul. I am here now with Morgan, aka Soul, social media manager, founder of soulsrolls.com, co-founder of the RPGN, and one of my project team members on the upcoming TTRPG Burnaway. Hey Soul, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Happy to be here. Really glad that uh, I get the opportunity to chat with you again. I know. I'm glad that we finally got this to work out. I've been looking forward to talking to you for a while. <laughs> Well, to kick things off, can you tell us a bit about who you are and how you got into gaming? Yeah, so I go by Soul everywhere online. You can find me at Soul's Rolls. That's Twitter, Instagram, everything else. I'm a TTRPG fanatic, and I've been gaming since a week after I turned eight. Uh, my initial babysitters were a bunch of guys playing D&D, and that was from the ages of four until I was about 10. And I made my first character just a week after I turned eight. And I've been playing TTRPGs pretty much ever since. So we're going up on, it'll be 32 years of gaming this year, actually. So a lot of fun with that. And, you know, I started out as a player, like most people do, moved into running my own games. And then uh, when the pandemic hit, I ended up pivoting my career. I was a public health educator doing one-to-one health coachings. and the pandemic kind of caused me to burn out. 
I need to change away from that career. And my partner said, why don't you, why don't you try and get into the TTRPG industry? So I wrote a couple of games, started really growing on Twitter. And from there, things have kind of branched out all over the place. I imagine that there had to be some burnout before the pandemic hit and then like pandemic time uh, uh, well, I went into public health education and one-to-one coaching a matter of months before the pandemic hit. Oof. So it was like six months beforehand. Before that, I did a lot of like uh, management team lead type positions. I was a uh, factory, not quite a line lead, but the line trainer. Before that, I was a personal trainer for like 10 years, just a bunch of different stuff. So I've, I've had a lot of really unique experiences throughout the years. That sounds like it. I don't know. I think that makes life a lot more interesting, though, when you kind of jump from industry to career path and like mm-hmm. just never following the same okay, I'm just going to walk up the corporate ladder forever. <laughs> that's that's never going to be me. <laughs> I, I think what really helped me when I was a public health educator doing those coachings is the breadth of experience I had. Because a lot of my coworkers and peers, they were also fresh out of college, but I was a non-traditional student. I got my degree at 30. I went back to college at 30, got my degree at 35. And um, yeah, I, had, I had a lot more lived experience than a lot of the people that were working with me. So it gave me a lot of opportunity to find common ground and find empathy with people that maybe wasn't there. And the fun part is now that I'm in the TTRPG industry, especially doing social media managing, being able to look at the the broad view and really kind of see where my clients are at, uh, learn about their voice, learn about their experience, and then be able to communicate that in social media. I don't think I'd be as good at it if I were trying to do it at an earlier age, or if I didn't have as many of these unique experiences. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, honestly. And especially because I know you've worked with such a like breadth of indie <laughs> games and just lots oh. of different systems, lots of different stories. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've worked with a lot of different people. And each, one, each one teaches me something new and different. It's always been, always been fun. Well, let's dive into that a little bit. So, sure. you know, you talked about like when you started... I mean, you started playing at eight, which is also awesome. But you said your partner suggested you start looking into this industry. Like, how Mm -hmm. did that really get started? I burned out of the education business. My partner said, you need to take some time off. You've been doing this for like two years. It's killing you. Take a month before you do anything else. And I just took a month. I ran some home games, did some other fun stuff, sat around on Twitter, you know, started to really use social media at that point because before then, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not really the most pro-social of people, if, if you could imagine. And going from health education coaching where I was on the phone for eight hours a day, then jumping on social media, just that didn't appeal. But after I was out of that job, I started reaching out to people online, talking to people, comparing experiences, getting involved there. And after that month ended... Uh, I ran into a post by Spencer Campbell from Gila Games. Uh, he does a lot of really cool stuff uh, with indie game design. But he had a game jam going on. Said, hey, here's the Lumen system, which I designed. It's really cool. Let's do a game jam. You know, Create something for it. And he was talking about all the pitches that people had given out and all the, the really cool stuff there. And I had a cool idea. And I pitched it. It was an idea about a civilization literally at the end of time. As we go through time, eventually the stars will burn out. Well, what about a civilization that's at that point? Like, what about their final moments? I thought that was kind of a cool pitch. Threw that out there, and he's like, you really need to make that game. I said, I have 15 days left in this game jam. (laughs) I, I have never used your system before. He's like, heck, give it a shot. So I created Black Hole Era in about 15 days and published it. So that was kind of the start. Uh, Shortly thereafter, I went from about 300 followers to 500 followers. And that was over the course of less than a month, about two weeks, I think. So I kind of sat back and I'm like, okay, there's something here. Like this isn't just a small like fluke or anything. This is, I've published a game in 15 days. I've grown my account to, you know, triple what it was before. Maybe I should look into this. And that's when my partner kind of was like, you, you really should. Like, this, this is what you're interested in. Do it. So I had a good amount of savings from when I was working. And I decided to go ahead and break out and do freelance. And 
while I have published a couple of games, uh, that's not what I'm actually making the most of my money from. Most of my money comes from consulting with clients and doing social media for them because it turns out that I'm pretty good at it. I'm really good at the the hard part of, of social media, which is consistency. Nobody wants to consistently market their products. No one wants to consistently talk about themselves. We're not really good at that, short of a few people. But I can schedule tweets. I can write them. I can help people figure out the best ways to do their do their projects justice. And I don't mind putting in the hours to do it. I mean, on a given week, I schedule well over a thousand tweets, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's between all of my clients. So it's not like I'm doing it on, in one day. It's, you know, I've got on a good month, I'll have anywhere between 16 and 18 clients. I generally have about five to 10 posts per day for each of them. So that's 70 posts times 16, give or take, you're at about a thousand posts. But yeah, that's, that's a week's worth of work. So that's not counting like the graphic design part of it and all that other stuff, which has been really fun because with the TTRPG industry, especially as a freelancer, you have to develop all of these skills. So I went from not really, I did a little bit of graphic design before public health education. You have to make like flyers, infographics, et cetera. So I had a, I had an edge up there, but the rest of it, woof, had to teach it all to myself. Used Skillshare a bunch and a lot of YouTube videos. But that's almost two years ago now. Um, I've been doing this for, I started in June of 2020, question mark. <laughs> it's, yeah, it'd be 2020 of June. So coming up on two years now that I've been doing this. The part that got me into the social media is someone that I was working with at the time was you know, looking to hire someone to do their posts. We looked on Fiverr and the prices there were out outlandish. And I'm like, look, I'll do it. You know, let me see what I can do. So did does a favor to start and then start getting paid for it. All right. So are all of your clients within the TTRPG industry? I have to think about that. Hold on. <laughs> grab my, grab my notes here. <laughs> yes. Question mark. Uh, <laughs> I have a couple of clients that do peripheral stuff, things like art, like they do TTRPG art, they do other art as well. Um, I've worked with people that do like comic books and prints and things like that. So the majority of my clients are within the TTRPG sphere, and all of my clients interact with TTRPGs in one way or another, even if that's not like their primary, their primary clientele. Yeah, well, so that does bring me to something I am a little curious about too, which is... I guess, how would you describe like the breakdown of your clients? Like you said, you have some that are artists. I know like for Burnaway, uh, it's games that are about to launch on Kickstarter. Uh, Mm -hmm. But like, what else are you kind of covering? Well, I do work with a lot of people that do Kickstarters. It's really rough whenever you're doing crowdfunding. It's hard to keep track of all the posts, especially when you've got everything else in the back end, when you're trying to bring a product to market yourself. So I handle a lot of the social media for Kickstarters. But outside of that, I work with a lot of people that do podcasts, that do actual plays, and like I said, artists. Those are really the big three, I would say. Mostly people that do uh, actual plays, um, scheduling posts to promote premieres, scheduling going live posts, making content calendar schedules that get promoted, uh, making sure that all the peripheral stuff around that is also established. Things like uh, engagement questions, um, things like... A lot of people that do actual plays also are involved in homebrew or map making. So promoting that, cycling that in, uh, promoting discords, promoting uh, video on demand stuff like YouTube or, or backlogs, wherever they're stored for podcasters, things like that. So that's that's a lot of what I do. I'd say the majority of my clients, actually, you know, thinking about it, it's probably, probably close to a 50-50 split between Kickstarter and AP podcast type people. How does your process differ between the different types Ooh, so social media is i i'm not a big fan of this phrase but it's useful social media is about creating a story there is a through line there is a narrative that you're trying to establish from your client to your client's customers or their audience if you will finding a narrative is really the the common thing on all social media so If I've got a Kickstarter that I'm working with, I need to know, what are we talking about here? What's the theme? What's the motive? What emotions do you want to evoke in your audience? What what are you trying to appeal to there? 
when it comes to APs and podcasts, same thing. Tell me about your audience. Tell me about your ideal listener. Tell me about your, your listener that you want to draw in more of. Tell me about the community you're building. What type of space is this that we're creating? And then you create a story about that, quote unquote, air quotes here, very heavy. You figure out, well, well, how do I tell people about this? What is the idea here? And that's not just an individual thing like uh, with a podcast. That's not just talking about an episode. That's not talking about the podcast's story either. It's talking about the creators of the podcast, their feelings about it, their interactions with the community. That's a little harder to do with a Kickstarter, though because a lot of times the interaction is more one way. You've got the distributor of the Kickstarter or the crowdfunding project. They've got a vision, an idea, and they want to communicate it to the, uh, to the audience. But the audience isn't really interacting too much back. Not because they can't, but because there's a weird situation that's different from like podcasts or APs. With crowdfunded projects, they haven't launched yet. You don't have anything to, to really get your, your hands on. So that's where things like art or commentary or uh, blog posts really go over well. Developmental blog posts, people love those because it gives them something to interact with. So that's kind of the difference on my, my process there. With the Kickstarter, I'm more looking at what items can I show to people to gather their interest and then go from there. Uh, whereas with a podcast, I need to know more about the personality of the show and how that can connect with the audience, if that makes sense. Oh, it absolutely makes sense. <laughs> Okay. And it's funny too, because, you know, just working with you a little bit on Burnaway, mm-hmm. I'm kind of seeing like, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. I've seen the method that you've been using and it's just, it's interesting. But I guess for the sake of our listeners, when you do step into a new project, uh, so mm-hmm. you, I guess we can use Burnaway as an example. So we're you know, sure. doing that. Uh, but when you step into a new project that's going to launch on Kickstarter, what are your first steps? The first thing is setting expectations, figuring out what my client wants, what's reasonable. Is it, I do a lot of coaching, so I'm I'm a big fan of like smart goals, specific, measurable, actionable, all that. And also being clear that when something like a Kickstarter happens, there's no guarantee of success. Most Kickstarters, especially the first ones fail, but almost every time if a Kickstarter does second launch, their second one's almost always successful because lessons are learned. I'm not a marketing person, so I don't know exactly what goes on with the back end there, but understanding the expectations really helps. Some clients don't need as much time as others, and that's a good expectation for me to have. The opposite's also true. If I I have some clients that are more uh, high contact, high touch, where I'm interacting more with their audience, writing more of their engagement posts, getting more of that going, that takes more time. For a lot of smaller creators, that's not within budget. So setting those expectations, first thing. Second thing, and this is probably the big one that a lot of people are curious about, is I spend a couple of hours going through all of that account's top tweets and top interactions, and I take notes. What has been successful so far? What is the voice like? How does this person sound? Now, I do a lot of TTRPGs, so I make a lot of characters. I've been running games for about 25 years. So in my mind, what I'm doing is I'm creating an NPC. And for my client, I'm going to play that NPC. I'm going to think, okay, if I'm this person, what would I say? How would I get people to like me? Because I'm not getting people like me, soul. I'm getting people like my client. And figuring out what's worked before, what establishes it. It's a big, big thing for me that when I work social media, my clients can log on to their account and look at the post and go, yeah, I could, I could believe I would say that. Or they would look at it and go, wow, that's what I would say if I had the time to think it through and weren't rushed. That's what I want. I want those posts to feel authentic. And a lot of times for the first several posts, it's a back and forth. Write it, draft it, present it to the client, tweak it, back and forth. Most of my clients are pretty easygoing. They trust me to write things pretty freehand. But I have had a couple of clients that wanted a little bit more oversight. Uh, a recent client wanted to do that for about three months, every single post checked. But now we've got a very good relationship. We know the voice that we've got for that project. And if I'm not mistaken, they're set to hit about 15,000 downloads in the next week or so. So they're doing really well. That's awesome. Yeah. And I started with them when they were at about seven or 8,000 downloads. So 
think it's been five months and we've doubled their downloads. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> Just a little like hair flip. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's... <laughs> They've got a really great podcast, so they're doing the heavy lifting. I'm just putting it out there. I can't say it's my work that's necessarily doing that, but together we've, we've gotten there. I mean, sure, but as a podcaster too, I know if I don't ever talk about my show, it's never going anywhere. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Discoverability is terrible. Oh, God. It's, it's the thing that you fight against, and with everything that's been going on with, not to get topical, everything that's been going on with Twitter, <laughs> it has been stressful. <laughs> it has been yeah. stressful. I mean, honestly, like, yeah, there is, um, it feels like it's maybe knock on wood settled down slightly, but mm. I'm kind of curious for that, like, month that it was the worst. Like, what what were your thoughts? Like, did you have any place you were going to try to go instead? Or were you just going to wait it out? <laughs> I do more than Twitter. So okay. I've, got, I've got other options. But the main thing with Twitter, I mean, we can talk about the, the social fracas, as it were, but reliability of the back end was absolute garbage. There were some clients I'm like, I would love to make your posts and tweet, but I literally cannot access the the Twitter ad composer. It will not load. So I'll get to it when I can. But the software just isn't there. So that was that was really stressful. Nothing I could do about it, nothing the client could do about it. Nobody's feelings were hurt. It was chalked up to one of those, yeah, if the internet's down, it, it's down. Mm. But yeah, the amount of changes, the instability of the the software was really, really rough. Yeah, I didn't even like think about that because I usually just use Twitter Direct. But mm-hmm. oh, the uh, <laughs> Twitter Ads Composer and the entire ads environment there is—it's a little bit. How to say this? There's a reason why people pay me to interact with it. <laughs> It's it's cantankerous. It's difficult to begin with. It doesn't run very well. Uh, there's a number of workarounds that you have to know to do certain things, and there's a number of workarounds that you can learn to do things you're not supposed to. Nothing illegal, but it's like if you want to get to a certain page, you have to do certain things unless you want to like take a shortcut through here and not enter in information that you're supposed to. Add that to the the changes in the back end, and it, it was falling apart pretty much every other day. So it was it was a lot of fun. Not really, but it it was at least entertaining. I earned I earned my money that month. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> uh, so you say that you do other, or that you're like doing social media on other platforms. What platforms are you doing? I also work with Instagram and Facebook. I've been working on that more and more. I've got a couple of clients that are really enjoying my work there. Uh, I have one current client that I've pitched the idea to, and we're probably going to talk about it, see if that's going to fit with their budget. I'm also branching out to Pinterest, uh, working on getting some video editing under my belt so I can do things like TikTok and YouTube shorts because uh, short form media like that is really, really great for discoverability, which is one of those things we all struggle with. So yeah, I'm pretty, pretty branched out. One of the things I don't like touching is Reddit. Uh, I find it's fairly hostile to marketing. So there's great communities there. But marketing is difficult, and a lot of my clients have things to actually sell. You know, APs and podcasts, those do all right on, on Reddit, but if I've got someone that sells you know, homebrew or they're doing maps and they want to try and make money off of it, Reddit is pretty hostile to that. So I just generally don't deal with it. It's, it's not one of those things I'm comfortable working with, and most of my clients don't want to deal with it either. Yeah, like every subreddit has its own rules about mm-hmm. what you're allowed to post if you're allowed to like mention that you exist outside of that forum. Right. Like, it's it's, it's tedious. I'd get into all of my feelings about Reddit, but that's not mm-hmm. what it's for. <laughs> yeah. So for Instagram and Facebook, are you mm-hmm. ever coming up with any of the graphics or images for those? Or yeah. um like I said, I've used marginal graphic design for things in the past. I do it for my social media on Twitter, things like Canva. They're free, cheap, easy. They do the job. I'm not really a great artist, but knocking together stuff like that can be done. And there's a lot you can do with Canva. You can do animated stuff. You can do short like video type things. You can create trailers, teasers, things like that. Really, really simple stuff. Uh, Similarly, Headliner is another one for my podcasting friends. Probably already know about Headliner. It allows you to clip and caption and then uh, create 
like Instagram ready, TikTok ready videos. That's something that works really great. So yeah, I do that for my clients. Um, mostly I prefer my clients to present me with art assets that they want used uh, because I'm not an illustrator. I can't generate these whole cloth and because I'm using commercially licensed or stock art, that stuff's pretty boilerplate. It's hard to make it really represent a, band, a brand in a unique way. It's one of the reasons why I really like working with Burnaway. The art that's been coming out has been absolutely fantastic. Makes my job 10 times easier. <laughs> Whereas some of my other clients, it's it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit harder to figure out, okay, well, what are we going to do for art? Honestly, I felt a little bit spoiled. Just like, I never know. I probably shouldn't admit this as the project manager. <laughs> but, um, I never actually know when a new art piece is coming because it's just like, this conversation's happening. And then suddenly mm. it's like, oh, wow, that's pretty. Oh, that's Shiny. pretty. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's uh, it's it's been fun, uh, and mm-hmm. especially like as we we recently brought on a third artist, and like, oh, yeah. they're focused a lot on the character art, and it's just like ah, oh, so good. Anyways, <laughs> okay, we talked a little bit about your first steps with a new client, mm-hmm. especially like more focused on the Kickstarter side of things. But once you're in a good rhythm with your clients, and you found their voice, everybody's happy with how you're doing it. Like how? Does your approach change as you get closer to launch date if it's a Kickstarter? More frequency. Uh, If I've got the option to, I will hold back some of the better art pieces. I will tease them once or twice. They won't go into rotation on posts. There's a particular one that I really liked from Burnaway that has the Embergeist standing next to the shattered window with the, the chair broken behind it. I teased that for like a week and it hasn't seen light of day for, for probably two months because I want to bring that one back. Everyone really loved that one, and I want to use that one for catching people's attention. So getting the, the visuals back into rotation where they people don't have fatigue from seeing them, it's really a big part of it over the last couple of weeks before pre-launch, etc. Big pushback activity as far as posting frequency. You can do that in bursts. You can't do that consistently because Twitter will suppress you if you've got too many links to outside stuff. So normally a week or two before I start the push, I'll actually deprioritize, post less, let the algorithm kind of make sure that I'm not saturating it and then get as much out as I can in that window. Also, if possible, getting into conversations with people. For a lot of my clients, I don't have the the time or budget to engage in conversations, do things like hashtag days, chat with people about it, etc. There's just not enough hours. That's what I rely on the creators and project managers and other people involved to do. But if I can, you know, reminding people that this is the launch date, here it is, you were excited before, tell all your friends, getting those ambassadors really on board and creating that social media buzz. You can't guarantee a post is going to go viral. I wish, that, I wish you could. But you can definitely push people to start talking about things more. Gently push. You know, if you tell someone to do something, it's not going to come over well. But you know, you can remind people, hey, two weeks from now is the launch date. This is the you know the last hashtag day that we're going to be talking about it. Make sure that you're spreading this around. I'd really appreciate it if you told some friends, showed them the art. Here's what we got going on. This is a really cool project. Get a conversation started. Asking questions. What do you think about this? What are your thoughts on that? You know, all the open-ended question stuff that they teach in motiva- motivational interviewing really works well online as well. So that's kind of what I'm looking at with Burnaway. We're, we're gearing up for the last little push. We're going to be seeing a lot of more content coming out. I just uh, just drafted another six or so tweets, uh, created a graphic with a little bit of animation, used some cheats that uh, I know about the algorithm to make sure that we're not going to get suppressed too badly, and, and went from there. So expect some new stuff coming out on the uh, Burnaway account. Hey entrepreneurs, I love introducing you to new creators every episode, but I could really use your support. I would love to invite you to join our Patreon page where you'll gain access to behind the scenes content, add your questions to upcoming interviews, and you could even receive a shout out on our site in an upcoming episode. To learn more, go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. And now back to the show. I want to switch gears a little and ask... You know, what are some common mistakes that you see with people that are new to social media? 
that are like trying to grow a following, but they just. Oh, <laughs> so I've got a list of pet peeves. <laughs> I've got a list Perfect. of pet peeves. Um, the first one, the most important one is follow for follow. Follow for follow on Twitter is poison. It is literally going to kill your account. You may grow, but you won't have engagement. You may grow, but you're also going to be following people who are not good for your brand to follow. There is a lot of really nasty people out there. And if you just blindly follow for follow, you're going to find out that they're on your posts and they're commenting terrible things or, you know, you have a great interaction with them because you didn't see that they posted some really bigoted, uh, bigoted comments somewhere else. And then everyone's like, why are you buddy, buddy with this person? Do not do follow for follow. Whoever you follow, make sure it's someone that you're passionate about following. Make sure it's someone that is going to improve your timeline and isn't going to reflect poorly on you. Super, super major thing. Follow for follow is poison. Absolutely. Don't do it. You think it's great. You see a lot of people doing it. It works okay on Instagram, but on Twitter, it is, it's absolutely toxic. Outside of that, Twitter is not feast or famine, by which I mean, you want to post a lot. Twitter wants you to post generally three to five times per day. Cool. That sounds like a lot in a way, but I see people that think, oh, if that's good, more is better. And there's a limit to that. Sure, more is better. On average, I post about 50 times a day, but I can maintain that. I've gotten to a point where that's a comfortable amount of social media for me. And I have a partner who will yell at me if I'm online too long, which is good. But one of the things I see people do is they will jump in. They'll be like, I have to tweet. I have to tweet. I have to tweet. I have to tweet. And they post so much. They do you know, two or three times what they'd normally do. They're posting 20, 30, maybe, maybe even a hundred times per day, getting in every conversation. Now this isn't just when I say tweeting a hundred times per day, I don't mean like top level. I'm talking replies included, which it's easy to like get 12 replies deep on a conversation pretty quick. But if you do that every day and you go from zero to a hundred, you will burn out. And consistency is key. If you do that for a week and then you burn out and then you're not online for three weeks afterwards, you're starting all over from literally square one when you come back. Keep the trickle going. Post things that are interesting. Don't have to dump it all at once. Keep to a really reasonable level. Related to that is kind of the the flip side. In my experience, most people struggle with two things. I post too much, then I burn out, or I never know what to say. People are following you for a reason because they're interested in what you're going to say. It could be anything. Post a picture of your cat. I swear to you, it will do well. (laughs) Talk about what you're making for dinner. Tell people about your struggles. Tell people about your successes. Ask people about theirs. It's going to feel like shouting into the void for a long time, for a very long time. But if you do it consistently, it will eventually pick up in a way that's really, really hard for me to understate how quickly you can grow. Uh, one of my friends online, uh, Logan, Logan the GM, or DM, he's, he switches it around. He went from 300 followers to 3,000 followers in about six weeks because the post of his went viral. And then he just talked to people. That's all he did. Just asked people how they were doing, got their opinion, talked about his. That's it. That's all it takes. Now, going viral really helped. They had a post take off and it got a lot of initial views, which got the momentum rolling. We can all wish for that, but we can't guarantee it. But the thing is, you won't get that viral tweet if you're not tweeting. And it could be this, the simplest thing ever. It really could be just a picture of your cat goes viral and suddenly you have 10,000 followers because you have a cute cat. Who knows? A friend of mine, uh, Brent, went from uh, 2,000 to, God, I don't even know what he went up to, tens of thousands of uh, followers. Just because he came out saying, hey, yeah, I don't like bigots. I don't like turfs. Quit with that shit. Post went viral. Literally 10,000 followers. Just talk about what you're passionate about. Ask people about what they're passionate about. Get those conversations going. And don't let the tweets that don't get interaction bother you. If nobody saw that tweet, if nobody responded to it, do you know what you just did? You just saved yourself five minutes later on down the road. Because you can retweet that. You can post that same thing a month from now. People will, if no one saw it, did it really exist? Reuse that. Seriously, there's nothing wrong with it. It's like, imagine if every time you told someone something, you could never say it again. People treat tweets like that. 
You can't ask the same question twice on Twitter. You absolutely can. You can't ask it every day, but you can ask it every couple of months. Even if a tweet blew up and went really well. On average, when I was growing at my fastest, I was getting 10 followers a day. So between one month and the next, 300 new people were having conversations with me, were interested in what I was saying. Those 300 people didn't see what I posted the month before. And I didn't hear their opinions. So I'm curious, like, what, what do the, these 300 people think about this? If you look at it that way, you're going to do really well. So post more often. Uh, other really common mistakes. If you're looking for engagement, invite it. If you're looking for engagement, invite it. People shout into the void and they don't get anywhere because they're shouting into the void. They're not asking anything. They're not offering anything. Yeah, I said, talk about your cat, share your problems, etc. But find a way for other people to connect to it. If you post a picture of your cat, post something relatable. Here's my cat hanging off the side of my trash can again. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> people will laugh about that and they'll be like, oh, my cat does that too. And then it's a conversation. Then you can be like, oh, do you have a picture of it? Show me your cat. Then two or three people do it. And you're like, wait, is this the thing? Do all of our cats hang off the trash can? When did this start? And suddenly you've got a conversation going. If you've got an opinion, don't just tell people your opinion. Ask theirs. You know, if I say, for example, I just started playing Pathfinder 2E. I tried Pathfinder 1E, bounced off of it. Not a big fan. Pathfinder 2, buddy of mine has a bunch of the books. Was like, hey, check out this character creator, because that was one of my problems, was the character creation's a little tedious, but there's a character creator online. He's like, hey, check this out. Looked at it. Cool. I'm enjoying Pathfinder now. I'm checking it out. But I'm not going to just jump online and say, hey, tried Pathfinder. It's great. I'm going to say something more like, hey, you know, I just, I've been struggling with trying to find out Pathfinder. Character creation's a slog. My buddy sent me this link to this website. If anyone else is having a problem, check it out. Now I've, I've given something. I've offered something to the people that are following me, people that are interested. If people never saw that website before, they'll be like, oh, heck, cool. They'll click it and then they'll come back and be like, wow, that's amazing. How did I not know about this before? And now we can talk about why character creation is such a pain to begin with. Why more companies don't have character generators like this. Why is this something that's new? You know, that turns into a conversation and then you have connections. So do post more often, but make those posts relatable and in something that people can engage with. That's really, really something that a lot of people miss out on. And on top of that, come like I said earlier, ask questions almost without fail. There is one thing every single person is passionate about and wants to tell people about. It's themselves. Most people are pretty big fans of themselves. Uh, there's, there's, some, there's some edge cases. There's some, I mean, I did wellness coaching, trust me, I know. But you can always ask people, like, what do you think about this? And if I asked you your opinion on something, you know, what, what do you think about everything I just said? Like, you want to tell it, talk about it. It's just the way we work. We want to share our views. Like, in, in your experience, what's one of your pet peeves with social media? You're actually asking? Yeah, I'm actually asking. <laughs> okay, actually. <laughs> uh, there's a very specific format of tweets I've noticed recently that I do I really despise. And I think it's just... Okay. I don't well, know that it's necessarily a generalization per se, but... Um, I am stating a problem that you, reader, never actually realized was a problem. Here's how I fixed it. <laughs> and then tweet thread. Or mm. that's also Instagram with like swiping through things. Oh, yeah. That's a big thing out of uh, old blogs too. Yeah. The, the listicle problems. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's on it just because it just feels so scripted and it's not genuine. And mm -hmm. it just. Like, you know that it's only there because they are trying to, like, get engagement rather than being, like, their actual natural voice. That is one of those things you have to kind of really skirt a line on. And it really, there are some of my clients that have a more casual tone, and there's some that have a more professional, reserved tone. If you've got a more professional, reserved tone, and you're, you're putting out, here's a problem, here are the solutions, cool, that fits your brand. But if it doesn't, change it up. But what other pet peeves with social media? What, what struggles do you have with it? 
what have you had to deal with as a podcaster that I might not know about? There's always that feeling of, and I know, especially like you were saying earlier, that it's really hard to actually like get people to see your posts. Like Twitter's always going through so fast, but there's always that idea of like, oh, I'm just going to be annoying if I keep posting about my podcast all of the time and having to work past that has been, I mean, something I still struggle Mm -hmm. with on a pretty normal basis. And then plus that's also just even the whole like knowing that outbound links don't go just, you know, knock you down in the algorithm and you get hidden a little bit more. So when do you actually post the links to make it easier for people to follow versus when you say, hey, you know, check my bio. Find me on your favorite podcast player. Good luck. <laughs> uh, so that's one that I hear a lot. I'm I'm worried I'm going to be annoying. You follow me on Twitter, right? <laughs> I do. How many of my posts do you see? I don't. On a I given don't. day, how many do you see? Not, I mean, you specifically, I probably see like one to two tweets a day. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, Arnamantle, uh, which listeners, that's the mm-hmm. company, the account that is for Burnaway. Even though I am actively looking for those tweets, I might see one to two a week, even though I know that you're doing a lot. Mm-hmm. So on Arnamantle, on the Burnaway project, uh, I schedule between five and nine per day. On my page, I schedule schedule 18 plus uh, anything else that I threw out there throughout the day. Uh, I generally try and do like, I call them engagement questions that like uh, I do tabletop workshop, you know, what are you dealing with in your tabletop stuff? How do we fix it? What are your, what's your advice for other people? I do two of those a day. And then I do like color commentary throughout the day. You know, I'll make a tweet when I go to the gym, I'll make a tweet when I get done at the gym, I'll post about like weird TTRPG thoughts. So on a single day, guaranteed at least 20 tweets. More than likely, I probably hit 30 to 40 actual tweets, not just replies, but top-level tweets. You're following me, mm-hmm. and you see one or two a day. We work together, and you see one or two a day. How hard is it to be annoying? I know. I know. <laughs> I, I'm almost trying to be with my level of posting, and I'm not there. You cannot be annoying on Twitter unless you really, really work for it or unless you're saying the same thing all the time. It's fantastic. The only thing I will say, though, is if you are posting at a higher frequency, make sure that you're also retweeting at a higher frequency because when people go to click your profile, they're going to scroll down. And if the only thing they see is you, then what they notice is that's the only thing you care about. So for myself, I'll retweet my friend's stuff and I also go out of my way I don't follow a lot of people, but I do try and follow marginalized creators. And I try and retweet their stuff because, point of fact, Twitter is racist. If you are a, an individual who is white, you are not going to be shown non-white content because Twitter knows you're white, unless you do a lot of work. In my case, Twitter thinks I should be going to a HBC, a historical black college. So I think I'm doing something right as far as fooling the algorithm. It doesn't know where to place me as far as like, ethnicity goes because I follow and retweet a lot of things from friends that are in Polynesia. I've got friends in India. I've got friends in, got a bunch of friends in Mexico. And of course, you know, I've got a lot of friends in the States who aren't white. So retweet those things that you want people to see on your timeline. If they click your profile, what you retweet shows who you are. This is the hard one for me when it comes to clients. Because I'm not on the account all the time. I can't retweet from that account all the time. And also retweets are a certain weird sort of endorsement. And that is something that I would much prefer my client to be doing rather than me doing it on their behalf. There is some laxity. And I do try and when something goes off, you know, retweet a little bit from a client's account if I'm there and they've given me permission to, because it does help the timeline. But if you're posting a lot, make sure you're also retweeting a lot. And a given post, a given tweet, you're going to get about five minutes of good time out of it, and then it vanishes. So if you make a terrible tweet, yeah, eh, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone in five minutes. Don't worry about it. If you make a good tweet, though, you can see that pop up for weeks. That's I had someone like a tweet from 10 months ago, a while ago. So I'm like, okay, however they found that, good, good gods. That is always fun to be like, oh, yeah, I forgot I made that tweet. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm. Glad you liked it. Right. 
weird flex, but okay. <laughs> I do want to make sure that we have time to talk about the RPGN. Okay. So the RPGN, uh, Role-Playing Games Inclusive Nerd Network, it is a project started by a couple of friends and I. I've been involved in a lot of the streaming world. Uh, I've worked beside some really, really good streams. Uh, we're talking top 10, top 20, top 50 in D&D, top 10, top 20 in the TTRPG category, so on and so forth. And I joked one time about starting my own stream team. I can't because I'm not a partner, only partners can. I'm just a lowly affiliate. But a friend of mine was like, you really should do that. And we started talking about well, what would we want out of a team? Because we'd seen other stream teams, we'd been in other teams before, and there's there always felt like there was something lacking. There was not really a sense of community. There wasn't a sense of co-ownership of the the growth of the the team, and there wasn't really any focus towards making resources available, whether that's mentoring, whether that's guides, whether that's software, whether that's um, cross promotion. There just wasn't that. And the other thing we saw, and we continue to see is that marginalized voices don't get platformed. They do not. They can be the most awesome like LGBTQ podcast or LGBTQ stream team out there, and you won't get the support that a mediocre straight white group gets. It just doesn't happen. And because of that, there aren't a lot of opportunities to move up. And because there aren't a lot of opportunities to move up, there's not a lot of opportunities to be seen. Because there's not a lot of opportunities to be seen, there's not a lot of opportunity for money. And because there's not a lot of opportunities for money in it, there's not a lot of reason to do it. So you see these streams start and die, start and die, start and die. And that was really frustrating for us. And then you see these stream teams say, hey, we're going to help you out. And they bring you in, and then they wouldn't do anything. You would just be a number added to their group. We were looking at, well, how could we do this differently? It's a lot of work. <laughs> the, the long answer is it's a lot of work. And the RPGN is not-for-profit. It's not a not-for-profit, but we're, we're all out of pocket on this. One of our admins is working on getting us, they're paying out of pocket for sensitivity training for everyone at the end. So that's something that we haven't talked about yet. We're offering classes. We're working with someone who does DEI consultations. We're paying them to jump on the stream with us and, and talk to us and help people out. We're talking about getting things going with that. We're working right now on a software directory, uh, links to a bunch of different software that's free or cheap so that people can create things and not just software links, but also tutorials for that software. This is stuff that's going to be available immediately to people when the RPG and opens in February, at the end of January is when we're, we're, when we're launching. Uh, we're also working on getting cross-promotion stuff going. Uh, we're trying to find a couple of individuals that want to work closer with us and give us things like media kits and scheduling. And we're going to use the Twitter, the RPG and Twitter, Instagram, and more to promote their projects, to get them more visibility. Uh, I'm also taking it as the social media and community manager. I'm going to be going to those hashtag days for those people. So they don't have to spend their time doing hashtag days. I will drop in as the RPG and say, hey, we've got a pinned tweet about six really cool people that are doing these cool shows. Uh, why don't you go check them out? Because I know how much of a hassle that is. And the last thing a marginalized creator needs to do is to go and add more work. I'm privileged in a lot of ways. I'm neurodivergent. I'm autistic. I'm non-binary. He, they uh, pronouns, which are always cool. But, you know, for the most part, I'm neurotypical passing. I'm uh, cishet white male passing. You know, I've got a lot of privilege in that. And it's it's something I'm passionate about is helping people. I didn't get into public health education and one-to-one -one coaching and personal training for the money. Trust me, it's not there. <laughs> it is just not there. I got into it to help people. And I'm doing a lot of work. And I want to make it actually happen. The admin team that we've pulled together is really amazing. Uh, we've got people from all walks of life. My policy was off by one or off by two from me. So I need someone that's at least one, one direction different, not cishet white male presenting is really the big thing. So all my crew is. I've got people that have so little in common with me that we get along, but there's a lot of, lot of difference in our experience. And that's great because I need people like that to show me where we can do better. 
And these are not people that are getting paid. These are not people that I've necessarily even asked to work with me. I put out a call. I said, hey, I'm going to do this thing. Is anyone interested in donating their time and volunteering? And a good number of people said yes. So I reached out to them again and said, here's what we're looking to do. Here's what, what we need. And they're up for it. It's really, really amazing to see how everyone is pulled together and is pushing behind this project. And what we've got going on is really going to be different. We're growing super fast, even before launch. Uh, we've got a lot of projects in the background that are in the works, community nights, uh, Q&A, mentoring, peer advice, all these tutorials, all these guides, actual actionable help. Because a lot of people want to talk about helping people, but they don't want to do the work. They want to have said they've helped someone. And it takes a lot of time. Thankfully, freelancing, I've got that time to spare. So we're going to be, we're going to be boosting some people. We're going to see some cool projects out there. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to be getting, getting some of these people in front of sponsors and affiliates so they can start making money. Because that's, that's really important. It's all fine to say like, oh, yeah, great. You know, we're going to hype you up and we're going to give you these resources. But at the end of the day, it really is about making sure that people who are doing this for a profession get paid. Really important to me. Do you have any questions about the end? Oh, okay. Like literally I'm sitting here wishing that I had another like half hour uh, just to talk about the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, shoot. It just, it sounds so cool. Like I'm really looking forward to watching as, you know, you guys launch really soon and a little bit over a month and mm -hmm. uh, just seeing like all the cool projects and stuff that are going to come out of it. Yep. We've got a long way to go. Um, there's a lot of distrust for these sort of organizations. Uh, other groups have tried similar things and honestly just been scams. So we've got a lot of trust to build. We've got a lot of accountability to have. It's one of the things that we're really pushing for as well. The uh, same person that's going to be doing our education consultation, uh, we're probably going to reach out to them for them to do an audit uh, quarterly and give them full access to everything, including like the delete button. So. If we're acting acting awry, I want to give that person the ability to just press a button and everything disappears. That's accountability. You can't be accountable unless there's consequences. Like It's just the way it is. But we understand there's a really big uphill battle, and it doesn't, doesn't hurt our feelings. We understand that it's, it's a little bit strange for a group of people to come together and be like, no, we want, we want to donate, I think we're about 30 to 40 hours um, a week total between all of us to just helping other people's projects out. If someone told me that, I'd be like, ah, I don't know. I don't know, but we're doing it. And uh, I think in a couple of months, people, people believe people will trust. And that's when the exciting stuff happens. I think, I think towards June, it's going to be where the exciting stuff happens, but I'm really excited for the launch too. Cause that's, we've been working on this behind the scenes for about eight months now. So. I mean, honestly, that's really exciting that you're able to launch in, I guess, under a year at that point. A lot of it's really just the organizational aspect. What do we want to do? What are our missions? What's our vision? How do we get there? How do we how do we push for everything to do what we want to do? And of course, finding the right people to work with. Because like I said, off by one, off by two is is a little bit challenging. There were a lot of people that I am friends with that didn't hit the metrics that I needed for the perspectives for the admin team. And I'm going to be honest here. I don't make that choice. I'm one of the starters of the inn, but when it comes down to who comes into it, uh, I handed that off to my friend, JJ. Uh, JJ is from Panama. Uh, she's Afro-Latin and she has jumped down my throat from stupid shit I've said in the past. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I need you to give like final clearance on, on who we're bringing in and make sure that I'm, bringing in people that are different and and jj put a lot of work into finding people for us like really a ton of work i mean i'm like i said i'm the community and social media manager for it i'm one of the founders but i'm not in charge <laughs> it's a it's a community i'm not in charge of that one yeah <laughs> well i do want to make sure we uh take a moment to answer two questions that i like to ask in every interview which sure you know, we, we talk about a lot about like how you got into this, how we, you know, mm -hmm. love working with TTRPGs and the community and everything. But I like to acknowledge that this is hard. There's some challenging stuff that happens. Oh, yeah. So when you look back over the last two and a half years, I think, 
Mm-hmm. Is there anything in particular that you would say has been really challenging? I would say there's two things. The first one's pretty obvious, money. This is not a rich industry. It doesn't pay that great. I charge for my services when I need to, and I have a good number of clients. I've been very lucky in that. I am one of the few people that is freelancing full-time in TTRPGs and making a bare living doing it. There's not a lot of money in this, so that's been a challenge. The other one is a little bit a little bit more sensitive. I'm a trusting individual. I'm a real believer in the best of people. It's part of what drove me to do health consultations and wellness checks and coaching and all that fun stuff. Unfortunately, I should probably have done better due diligence on some people. I unfortunately worked with a couple of people that turned out to be pretty much monsters. And that's been the most challenging thing is not just doing the due diligence because yeah, you, you try and check people out, but people, especially manipulators are really good about hiding who they are. And that's the, the second part is, you know, because I've been working beside people that turned out to be pretty terrible and that hurts my trust and that makes it harder to trust the next person, it makes it harder to believe in the honesty and sincerity of the next person I work with. And it's been really tough to come back from that a couple of times. That's been the real challenge is just keeping going in the face of that. When you find out someone's been absolutely terrible to people in, in DMs, it's like, wow, I thought this person was okay. Nope. Okay. Well, that's one person. Six months later, you find out, oh, this person hasn't been paying people and they've been lying about contracts. Okay. How do I trust the next person? Yeah, how do I go into something like the RPG in and give that much control and power to to people that I don't know? Because you never you never really know at that point. So going through and, and trying to trust cons- consistently, that's been a real struggle. Yeah. It, I mean, it feels like any endeavor that you do, but especially when it's freelance for some reason, like it just, oh gosh, it's so interesting. And I mean, not in a good way, but just like, you right. know, just the variety of people and how, I mean, I guess that's that folks feel like when it's a freelance relationship, that it's just so much easier to take advantage of others. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because yeah. it's just like there's not as much accountability. There's not as much as they can do and as it would be in a more traditional-ish working environment. But yeah. yeah, freelancing has its ups and downs, but it's definitely easier for you to get into a position where you're in a contract to someone that's not someone that you trust or want to work with anymore. And it's like, oh, okay, this is this is not good. Thankfully, not in that situation <laughs> right now. So I'm extremely happy. Yeah. <laughs> Got a bunch of really great clients. Right now. Really happy about it. Well, to flip it around. Sure. Same time frame, you know, of just since you really got started in this industry over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. What would you say has been the most rewarding part? So recently I've worked with two different individuals that I've been really, really pleased with how things are going. I am the community manager, I guess, and social media manager for DMDM Studios. Derek runs a fantastic uh, actual play stream. He and I have been working together for a while now. And it is one of the most easy and comfortable relationships I've had as far as professionally. And it's also a really great friendship. This is someone that if I had not taken this path, I would not have met. And now they're a really good friend of mine. And that's been extremely rewarding. It's also been really rewarding in that case to watch their channel grow and watch their community evolve and continually improve. Uh, Derek is actually the admin in charge of resources for the RPG Inn. And is one of the first people that had a conversation with me about starting this. So having that friendship and having that growth and that opportunity to continue improving the TTRPG space, absolutely cherish it. The other thing that I would say uh, I've been most pleased with and happiest about and most fulfilled by has been working with smaller creators. You know, a lot of times with social media management, we think about it as something that big companies do. I work with a lot of people that are not large. And we're talking accounts that start with under 100 followers and just a lot of passion and a dream. That's been incredibly rewarding. There's a, just as an example, uh, there's a group 
called Neuron Games. Uh, Roxo and Daniel are from Mexico. They are really passionate about TTRPGs, but they are from Mexico. They don't get seen in the algorithm. So I've been working with them, and their first project launched at the end of last year. And they went from an account that had, God, I can't even remember how many, I think they had 11 followers when I started. But that account and that project, their first publication, uh, Remarkable Creatures of the Plains, Volume 1, went copper bestseller on DMs Guild the first day. The first day. That's awesome. So that's, that's just one of the stories that I could tell. These smaller accounts, seeing them thrive and succeed, and watching these creators that, like me, two years ago, just throwing it out there, throwing all their passion into it, and going for it. Watching those successes, absolutely amazing. I've got friends that are in the community that started beside me, and they've got seven and 8,000 followers now. And just watching the community grow has been incredibly fulfilling, especially with a lot of the people that I've seen succeed. It's just been absolutely amazing to watch. Yeah, that is really awesome. Well, to kind of wrap things up, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that um, are there any other projects that we haven't talked about yet that you're excited about and wanted to share? I'm really excited about the Burnaway project. I've been looking at the great art. I've been looking at the Kickstarter. I've been seeing all the behind the scenes stuff. I've been privileged to talk to um, a lot of people involved. And the stories this is going to be able to tell are really something different. The approaches that are being taken, the way that things are not combat focused, it's about conflict resolution. The fact that you are also looking at a, a kind of a ticking clock on your character with the, the burnout system. I think it's doing really innovative things. And I, I would be remiss as the social media manager not to mention it in an interview, of course. But even as an outsider, I've had a couple of friends, because I don't kiss and tell, generally speaking. I don't tell everyone what projects I'm working on. But I've had a couple of friends come up and be like, hey, have you checked this out? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have. I actually wrote that post. They're like, oh, wow, okay, yeah. So watching other people, Tell me more. <laughs> watching other people pick it up and be enthused about it and be excited—that's really, really cool. And it tells me that, you know, even as an outsider, like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. I like that. So yeah, uh, burn away. Check it out. It's absolutely awesome. I think you, the audience, uh, I think you're really gonna like it. If you like TTRPGs, you're listening to a podcast right now. Eh, check it out. February seventh, Kickstarter launch. Amazing. Thanks for the shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a little bit self-interested, but I am passionate about projecting. Honestly, so like I interviewed Chris, I interviewed you, I'm interviewing Jordy, and it's like, mm. all right, this is just the Burnaway series now. And, um, you know, I've got like my normal, hey, I want to talk to people, but also like, hey, let's talk about our project. I'm self-interested. It's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Gotta be, gotta uh, be. Well, so this has been an absolute delight today. If people want to find you and find the projects, if they want to hire you, where should they go? Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, check me out on Twitter, soulsrolls.com. Secondarily, uh, if you want to catch any of the other things I'm doing, soulsrolls.com is my website. I've got a couple of blog posts there. It's got a project list of some of the games I've worked on, and it's got contact information. You can also shoot me an email, soulsrolls at gmail.com. No surprise. Those are really the best ways to contact me. Uh, my Discord, I'm going to be honest, if you shoot me a message on Discord and you're not one of my clients, I'm very likely not going to see it because I am, I'm a moderator in five Discords and I'm actively in about 30. So my attention is stretched thin there and messages just, they get lost. I'm sorry. I really do apologize. I know there are people, I just, I just messaged someone today that messaged me about two weeks ago and I'm like, I am so sorry. I did not see this. So Twitter, shoot me a message. Email, shoot me a message. Comment on my stuff. If you really want to get my attention, go to itch.io. Find me on there and, and comment on one of my games. Reviews are great. I appreciate it. It helps. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Amazing. I will be sure to drop those links in the show notes. Thank you. All right. So we are going to wrap up the official interview portion. Uh, but for those mm-hmm. of you who haven't listened to the last couple of episodes, or this is your first time tuning in, 
Sol and I are about to go do something fun uh, where I've got a new <laughs> Patreon benefit where in addition to this lovely interview, we're going to go do a quick question blitz where I ask him a couple of just random silly questions. Some of these are asked by patrons. Some of them are from my own brain. So there's that. <laughs> but uh, if you want to check those out, you can find me on Patreon at Roll, Play, Grow. Seriously, thank you so much for coming on today. I've had a lot of fun getting to chat with you. I always enjoy doing these interviews, and it's a really comfortable format for me. So I would be happy to come back if you've ever got a need for another uh, spot. Awesome. That sounds lovely. <laughs> you just finished another episode of Role Play Grow. To check out the show notes and transcript from today's episode, you can go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. To keep up with every episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice. And if you're enjoying the show, I would absolutely love if you would leave me a review and share this episode with your friends. Your review might even get featured on an upcoming episode. To follow me on Twitter, you can either find me at lightheartadv for our business account or at KetraRPG for tweets on gaming, my dog Bowser, and other random shenanigans. You can also find me on Patreon at Roll, Play, Grow. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on Roll, Play, Grow.